All right, we're in to do a podcast today. Just too much Redskins name-related news, uh, fast-moving events from over the weekend. Tommy will join me here momentarily. But first, Window Nation, all right? They're extending their offer of 50% off all window styles and no payments for two years with no money down. You'll pay nothing for 24 months. A lot of people that were planning to take vacations are taking some of that money, putting it into their home. You've probably done a lot to your home during this pandemic over the last several months. Think about windows if you haven't done windows. This is the time to buy. Window Nation at 866-90-NATION or windownation.com is offering 50% off all style of windows. All right, that's a significant reduction in pricing. They're going to defer your payments for two years and you don't have to put any money down. Their windows provide year-round benefits that save you from higher energy costs in both the summer and when winter. New windows add to curb appeal. That builds equity back into your home. All CDC guidelines are strictly followed throughout the entire process to ensure maximum safety. Call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com to schedule a free in-home or, if you're more comfortable, a virtual estimate. Give them a shot. Just call them at 866-90-NATION, mention my name, go to windownation.com, mention my name, and get a free estimate. Then you can decide what to do after that. Window Nation, invest in your home right now. 50% off all styles of windows and no payments for 24 months with no money down. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right, I was scheduled to take this week off, but I wasn't going anywhere. And I promised you that if there were big news stories and Redskins-related stories or D.C. sports-related stories, I would be here because I'm home and I'm not doing much anyway. Tommy is with me. Um, We more likely than not won't do another podcast this week, but that's just a prediction that is almost certain to uh, come up short as well, Tommy, given the fast and furious nature of what's been going on. Um, But we're both here today on a Monday. Two additional big stories over the weekend, one that I think could be massive, Um, and uh, that sort of furthers from where we were on Friday. The story on Saturday from the Post that Les Carpenter wrote about Ron Rivera essentially admitting um, that they've been working on a new name for a couple of weeks now, and he's there are two of them that he likes. Um, you know, if there was any doubt about this review, well, Rivera pretty much ended that doubt. Uh, the name change is imminent. And then really, um, I don't know if I would call it a bombshell of a story, but make no mistake, uh, this thing's got more legs than you would even think it would have. The Redskins minority owners want out. Fred Smith, Dwight Schar, Bob Rothman, who combined own roughly 40% of the Redskins, they don't want to be a partner of Dan Snyder's anymore. This story uh, written in the Post last night by Liz Clark, Mark Maskey, and Les Carpenter. it was broken by Pro Football Talk. Okay. Uh, They broke it originally, and then uh, the Post, uh, moved it forward with the addition of Rossman. Got it. I, I, I didn't realize uh, until this yeah. morning, midway through the show, that Pro Football Talk 
um, had reported it uh, first. But Tommy, I want to start with that because we addressed a lot of the, you know, a lot of the news related to the imminent change of the Redskins name in our Friday special podcast, if you will, um, the day before uh, 4th of July. But this story from last night that Bob Rothman and Dwight Schar and Fred Smith, Fred Smith, not just the CEO, but the founder of FedEx. You know, most people know the story of Fred Smith. Um, they are not happy, not happy, according to the Post, being Dan Snyder's uh, partner. They want out. Um, I think I mentioned on Friday, if I didn't already, that uh, I had learned that Fred Smith has wanted out for a while now. Um, they own roughly 40% of the stake in the Redskins. To me, Tommy, this story could be the story of the next several months. Beyond the name, the ownership equity is going to be a fascinating watch. If Fred Smith, Dwight Schar, and Bob Brothman can't find anyone who wants to be a minority owner next to Dan Snyder, then buying Snyder out becomes... A possibility. If, if they want out, if they can't find a buyer with Snyder there, if they can't get a fair price with Snyder there, then taking Snyder out could become a priority for them. As an aside, we mentioned this Friday, the league wouldn't mind a path that leads to a Snyder exit. And I've been told that Snyder, much of his net worth is tied up in this team. Um, and selling it now before the value of it you know, sinks any further may not be crazy talk. I think this is a huge story. What do you think? Yeah, it is. It, it, it's far bigger than the name. Listen, most Redskins fans, would you could call them the Washington shitheads if they knew <laughs> they'd get a new owner, right? Yeah. Yes. I mean, if they, if they were guaranteed a new owner, then you, they wouldn't care what you call them at this point. So, yeah, this... This is bigger than the name. This, this, is, this is a change in history, a, change, a potential change in direction. Uh, this is the Wicked Witch is dead. This is the house falling on the Wicked Witch. I mean, this is, I mean <laughs> Oh, my God. The image of that. Oh, my God. Just to see, that, to see the Wicked Witch of the West, seeing that house just falling, just the, the pointed-toed shoes just sticking out. This is, I mean, this is just amazing. And, and again, I think the scenario you put forward uh, is still kind of a long shot, only because I find, even though apparently they've been trying to sell their minority shares, it's really hard to believe that they have not been able to sell those shares. I mean, I, if, a, a minority share in an NFL team is, is it's not the majority share, but it's a ticket into the club. Uh, David Tepper wound up owning the Carolina Panthers. He had a minority share of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is how you get in with the boys. They get to know you. And then when a team becomes available, you become their prime candidate. So I, I just find it like stunning that I mean, and to me, it speaks to the toxicity of Dan Snyder of that nobody wants to buy in. Of course, you know the name and the brand re- restart. You know, is not going to fix any problems. The real problem has been and is the owner. 
You know, as a professional football owner, he's a loser. You know, he might be a great husband, father, friend. I'm not speaking about him personally, and I've heard great things about his family. I'm speaking about him as an NFL owner. He's the worst. And based on conversations I've had in recent days and a lot of the other reporting, it's more than just being the worst owner in the league. He's not well-respected. He's not well-liked in league circles. I think I mentioned this on Friday that I had a conversation with someone who's close to the team situation with the league in recent years. You know, the commissioner and the owners have had it with him. This franchise under his watch has become an embarrassment for the league. And now with the name issue back again, you know, they have Snyder and Redskin fatigue. And this time, Tommy, unlike the past times, we've got key corporate sponsors, you know, backing up um, this feeling with, hey, we're going to pull money on big deals from you if this doesn't happen. That hadn't happened recently. You know, this is a toxic situation. We've all understood that that was it for years, but now we've got the added storyline of the minority owners, Fred Smith, Bob Rothman, Dwight Schar. You know, if you've ever seen a shot of the owner's box during games, it's, it's even money that one, if not two or three of those guys are in the box with Dan for these home games. You know, they were the second group of minority owners after Fred Drasner and Mort Zuckerman and a few others, you know, were on board with Dan from the beginning back in 1999. These guys jumped in, Tommy, 2002, 2003, something like that, and they've been on board ever since. FedEx and Fred Smith, you know, committed over $200 million to naming the stadium and being a significant corporate partner of the Redskins. And Fred Smith has had it with them. And these other minority owners have as well. I said to you on Friday, I mean, on some level, isn't it possible just because he can't possibly be having any fun owning this team. His fan base despises him. Many in the league have a problem with him. His minority owners now won out. Um, And potentially, he's not in the greatest of financial condition that he's been in, you know, during his professional life. I think, Tommy, I don't think it's crazy talk at all. I, the way it would work might be potentially for all of them to sell their stakes simultaneously to a whole new ownership group, or this could be some sort of coup. Like there's a lot, there's a lot involved here. There really is. You know, uh, from what I've, I've learned the league really washed their hands of Snyder with the La Famina purge. Yes, big, big. They they yeah. they loved La Famina, and they yeah, were disgusted what league. happened here. Yeah, I mean, he came from the league. They saw that as, if not like a George Young situation, where the Giants were, were terrible for right. about 15 years, and Pete Rozelle put George Young in charge of the team. That was a football operation team thing. This was a business side operation. And the league you know, felt very confident and very good about sending La Famina down here to help fix what, what had been, you know, one of their storied star franchises. And the way they were ceremoniously, unceremoniously cut loose, uh, 
and just really that was that was the that was the straw that broke the camel's back for the league. Nobody loved Snyder before that, but their level of disgust reached a new low after that. It's really um, it's really interesting the turn of events here over the last few days. Uh, like you just said, all of us to a certain degree have understood that he's not super well respected or well liked and hasn't been for a long time in league circles. You know, Jerry's always been there sort of to protect him over the years. I don't even know if that's true anymore. The corporate sponsors never felt enough pressure from customers, from investors, shareholders, etc., to really back up any thoughts they had about Snyder um, until you know until George Floyd was murdered, um, and all of this stuff um, became much more a part of a conversation again. But when you get this this story about the three minority owners wanting out and and I I've heard that Fred Smith is wanted out for a while um, and you know that the league's preference would be that Dan not be an owner of this particular franchise um, uh, f- uh, either you this is going to be a sit back and watch what happens in a few months because Again, I mean, he could be defiant. He could be, you know, F everybody. Uh, and I don't think there's a way for them to take the ownership from him or force him to sell. You know, it's not a Jerry Richardson, Richardson situation. It's not, you know, a, a Donald Sterling situation. There's none of that going on that we know of. I know you've suggested over the years that that's the, that's the path to to a return yeah. to glory, but you know there isn't anything out there that he's a super bad human being in terms of those kinds of issues. All we no, know, we have I, oh, my 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 trifecta was scandal, suspension, sale. <laughs> Maybe the three S's. That was my trifecta. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's just. It's. It would be really remarkable if this all led to him selling his majority stake, if not his entire stake. Again, I mean, like, just think about it. At this point, you know, what is what is the allure of being an owner when there isn't any fun involved, other than being able to sit on your yacht in the south of France and have George Clooney and Matthew McConaughey say, yeah, this guy right here, he's one of 32. He's one of 32 owners. He's a big shot. I mean, other than that, I don't know. And then we had um, then we had the story from Saturday uh, in the Post, the Les Carpenter story about Ron Rivera. You know, Ron Rivera talked to the Post. Now, just so everybody knows, if you listen to the radio show this morning, I did. I, I had conversations with the Redskins yesterday and last night about trying to get Ron Rivera on the show. Tommy, I was like, if he talked to the Post, why won't he come on radio? Well, you know, they made him available to the Post. You know, I don't know what to say. Um, try... Well, here's what happens, Kevin. When people start seeing their words in print, they get a little freaky. That's what happens sometimes. Well, what do you mean? When they see their they see their words in print, and they say, "Oh, you know, maybe that wasn't a good idea. Maybe I should shut up." <laughs> well, I, you know, that's fine. That's fine. And uh, but um, the point is, is that you know, it wasn't from a lack of of effort, as it's never been in the past. But if you missed the story, 
Ron Rivera told the Post he's been working with Dan Snyder in recent weeks to come up with a new name for the organization, and he hopes that it can happen within the next two months. Here are some of the quotes. If we get it done in time for the season, it would be awesome. Um, He said that he and Snyder have been talking about a name change for more than a month, roughly around the time tribal leaders, politicians, and others started their latest push for Snyder to to reverse his longstanding policy and eliminate a name that is a dictionary-defined racial slur. He added that Snyder started speaking in earnest with NFL officials about the move two and a half weeks ago and suggested the owner is ready to make the move. Um... He said, quote, we came up with a couple of names, two of them I really like, closed quote, although he declined to reveal what those two names were. Um, Rivera said that he believes the most important criteria for a new name is that it's respectful of Native American culture and traditions and is also a tribute to the military. Um, And he said, quote, we want to do this in a positive way. Um, We want to make sure that the name won't be a joke, closed quote. Um, So there you go. Uh, That was was from Ron Rivera on the 4th of July. He was also asked, Tommy, about the comments which came roughly a week ago on that radio station in Chicago, 670 The Score, where he said, now is not the time on the name. And he said that he didn't address it directly on that radio program in another city because, quote, that's meant for the D.C. area. That is our conversation, closed quote. Well, that, then that's very – whether he's telling the truth or not, that's a very good answer. I think that is a good answer. You're right. I didn't actually yeah. think about whether or not that's a good yeah, answer. That's, I, that's a very savvy answer. Uh, it's, it, it, it shows an understanding of media. Uh, and that's very savvy of him. And that's very good if you're a Redskins fan, because apparently right now this is the only guy calling the shots in the organization. This is it. Uh, one of the things we learned from reading those post stories is that Dan Snyder doesn't have a lot of sounding boards uh, for opinions, and that's because he drove away most of the sounding boards. The only sounding board he really wants is the one that says, Yes, Dan, you know, you're absolutely right, and that's a nice yacht you got, too. Uh, but uh, right now, it's the guy who was hired in December is in charge of pretty much everything. <laughs> and, yeah, some of the things that came out of that story about the current state of the organization basically, uh, you know, indicates more than not, that it is um, a bit uh, of a mess right now, that there is a need for another team president type of person in the organization. Of course, after La Famina, who's going to take the job? You know, Bruce had it for obvious reasons, but some of the quotes that came out of that um, uh, post story, quote, according to two people who work directly with Snyder on Redskins issues, issues, his decision-making style is driven more by personal whim than by expert counsel. He goes through his Rolodex and calls random people until he gets an opinion he likes and he follows that. <laughs> Um, said another person with five years of direct experience. He seeks advice, but he only hears what he wants to hear. His favorite phrase is, you don't know what you're talking about, closed quote. 
Um, and this is why, you know, he's attracted the people that he's attracted over the years. It's a, it's remarkable. And again, I've mentioned this many times. He outkicked the coverage in hiring Ron, uh, Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera, um, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast. Somebody had told me Ron Rivera wanted back into the NFL so badly because he felt like he was so wronged in Carolina. And this was the first and the immediate opportunity <clears throat> that ensured that he was going to be coaching right away. Um, I don't know if the Cowboys or the Giants would have ultimately um, hired him. Obviously, Carolina wasn't. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean. Well, you know, our, our good friend and legal advisor, uh, Neil in Rockville, uh, came up with a great idea for Snyder, for a team president. Mike Rizzo. <laughs> He'd be who, great. Who only has, who's only got four months left on his contract, I might point out. The national GM has four months left on the job. He'll be available come October. Boy, I would I would advise Mike Rizzo, you hold out for so much money, and you can make back everything the learners should have been paying you for yeah. years. Yeah. So uh, that was a pretty funny thing I thought when yeah. Neil uh, texted to us. But uh, you know, I mean, do you think? That what's more likely, they sell or they take over? I'm leaning towards somehow Snyder ends up selling his stake. I don't know how wow. it works, but I am leaning towards this is what the league wants. This is the position he's in, a position of his own doing, um, that he possibly at this point with the name uh, going – um, you can't be having any fun. I, I, I don't know why I'm leaning in that direction. Just a gut feeling that there's something big here, that there is something going on here that maybe has been going on for a little while now, you know, perhaps initiated by someone like Fred Smith, you know, with the league's backing and in, in sort of a back, you know, back way, uh, you know, a, 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 a wraparound coup, you know, attempt. I, I The league is embarrassed by this franchise, and it's a critical franchise for the league. And they don't want to be embarrassed anymore, and I think they've come to the conclusion, like many of us have, that Ron Rivera, you know, uh, it, it, Kyle Smith, it doesn't matter. As long as he owns the team, it's never going to work. And it's going to continue to be an embarrassment. There's no team that's been a bigger embarrassment to the league in recent years than the Redskins. None. I mean, look at the crowds that they have had. I mean, look. I mean, this is again. Uh, this is this was my Surgeon General warning. Every time I talk about the Redskins, either on the radio or on the podcast, uh, no matter who they hired, I'd say, now remember, it really doesn't matter who coaches the team. It really doesn't matter who the general manager is as long as Stan Snyder is the owner. And now everybody seems to have finally come to that same conclusion. I'm just amazed it took so long. I think he's going to stay in as majority owner. I do. I think, I think this, is the, this is the most important thing to him. Uh, I don't think he's ever had fun, uh, you know, like, uh, what's her name? Uh, or, uh Joel Crow saying, I don't think he's ever had fun a day in his life, <laughs> to be honest with you. Wow, we get a so Cheryl Crow think, reference here. Mm. I don't think fun 
is is really going to factor into this. I think desperation, power, and ego are going to drive his decision. And there's a lot of ego, even in being the disgraced owner of the Washington Red. Now, in other words, what's what's worse, being hated or being invisible? For a guy with an ego. I think that the financial situation is going to play a role in this. And I I don't know specific the specifics here. I've been told that much of his net worth is tied up into the franchise. And if he if they're ever going to get four billion dollars for the franchise, now is the time to get four billion dollars for the franchise. Um, I, I think if he were one of the true wealthy owners, and it's all relative, right? But if he were one of the true wealthy owners in sports, that maybe you would be correct. But I think that there is some financial stuff here uh, in play. I just want to. Yeah, maybe. I just want to j- just say to you, you know, like I'm, I just wrote down three things that are among my all-time favorites when it comes to talking about this team, which, as you know, you've angered so many people over the years, but I've always been um, highly entertained by, you know, the Surgeon General's warning on the team. But my, my, my two favorite in recent years was when Tommy said about Brian LaFamina. I mean, this is a day after he was hired. Don't buy rent. <laughs> you said, I mean, literally within days of his hiring, because remember, that's when we launched the podcast. It was right yeah. around then. You said, there's, you said, I would bet he doesn't even make it the entire first season. And he didn't. He was ousted in December. And then my favorite, though, is DJ Swearinger. The, the day that they cut him, and you said about Swearinger, if they really wanted to punish him, they would have made him stay. <laughs> uh, that's one of the great all-time lines, and I can tell you, you really, with that one, pissed some people off at the park. Like they they thought that was over the top, but it was brilliant and it was so true. Like if you're really gonna punish people in this organization, you don't cut them, you force them to stay. Oh my god! I, you know, I thought I, I thought I lived over the top. I thought that's where I lived. Um, you know? Yeah. Right, let me ask you this, Kevin. Yeah. Uh, the name is is a done deal. Yeah. You know, the people have come to that realization. There's still a few holdouts. There's going to be some angry people. But uh, in all, I think the franchise has hit such a low that the damage will be mitigated by the benefits of a brand change and the merchandising and everything that comes with it. Uh, the other thing is, though, what, with all these reports, Redskins fans have to be getting on the edge of their seat saying, well, He's going to get rid of the team. He's not going to be the owner. He's not going to be the owner. And what happens if he stays on as owner? I don't know that everybody's saying that right now. I think we're, we're saying it. And and apparently Pro Football Talk also um, said it. So. Oh, I mean, that, that's a snowball that that's a snowball that King Kong couldn't stop rolling down the hill. <laughs> That he's not going to be the owner of the team. But you know what, Tommy? This is not the jump that the name change or even the minority uh, stakeholders wanting out. 
Not everybody's made that leap yet. I mean, I think the conversation about it is going to start to enlighten people that this is in play. And you're right, if it really snowballs and all of a sudden there's this expectation that he's going to sell the team and then he doesn't, it, it could be it could really backfire and yeah. be incredibly yeah. disappointing. It also could maybe snowball. Here's the thing, he really doesn't pay attention to the media. Um and, and hasn't uh, over the years. Uh, the pro football talk, you know, Florio, t- take it for what it's worth. But they did um, write a story yesterday because after I talked about this this morning, somebody sent this to me and said, did you see this? And I'm like, no, but I've seen people tweeting about it. But this Florio story, you know, about the new name being the beginning, not the end of changes in Washington, um, is that uh, – some are wondering whether Washington's name change will be a precursor to Snyder selling the team. And then they talked about the um, – hold on for a second. The recent story from the Washington Post regarding Snyder's absence from the organization and reliance not on employees of the team but a small circle of friends speaks not to dysfunction but to disengagement. It's reasonable to wonder whether the disengagement could lead eventually to di- uh, a divesting of, of the ownership. Um, and then they've got the Rothman, Shar, Fred Smith stuff. This would be obviously a, a very positive development out of all of this. And you're right, if it doesn't happen, maybe this is going to really g- g- gain steam here in the next couple of days, and then it would be a big disappointment if it didn't happen. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I think it would. Yeah. I think it would for a lot of people. You know, circling back to just um, the last several days in like big picture form, I am I'm surprised that this has gone the way it's gone as quickly as it's gone. I oh mean, my! I probably shouldn't be given just everything you know that's going on um, in the country. Uh, right now, it's such a fascinating time that we are living on it, living in. It's 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 light on thought, research, facts, debate, heavy on action right now. And, you know, it's a personal perspective thing um, on whether or not the actions resulted in more positive than negative or vice versa. And I'd imagine that a lot of what comes out of the year 2020 will be good and will be good for those that need some good. And I'm all for that. And some of what comes out of these times won't be. Um, it's It's really hard to predict, but... Um, the the thing that's annoying to me um, about the last several days in particular um, is the way this is being described again. Uh, it's almost as if t- uh, Tommy and I don't. I, this isn't scientific. I'm I'm just guessing, um, but. Uh, it feels like 80% of the stories and columns written on this over the last week haven't even mentioned that this is a debatable, complex issue. I'm annoyed at that again. I'm annoyed at those that sound so definitive and act like they just contributed to writing the biggest racial wrong of all time. Because that's not true. You know, don't get me wrong, all right? If using the word offends a large group of people, you know this, we've talked about this many times, I'm open-minded to this conversation. Prove it to me with something other than hyperbole, and I'm listening. But the constant and once again resurfacing of the comparison of the R-word to the N-word, you know, no mention of any of the polling that's overwhelmingly indicated over the years that Native Americans not only don't have a problem with it, they're proud of it. 
You know what I had forgotten? I had forgotten this poll from just a year ago. Just a year ago, this poll, and I didn't mention this on radio this morning, and I heard Galdi talking about it at the beginning of his show. I totally forgot about this poll where uh, Native Americans were polled and asked to choose from a list of 40 emotions to describe how they felt uh, about the team, and proud was number one. Proud was. I I just... Years from now, to, like they, they're so convinced and they've written so convincingly the last few days about this despicable and shameful slur that's about to finally be laid to rest. And years from now, Tommy, people are going to read from these past few days and the days to come, and they're going to believe that, you know, this vile name of a football team was equivalent to the N-word. It isn't. We all know it isn't. But, you know, it's the few Johnny-come-latelys that have been writing about this, they don't, I don't even think they know about the Washington Post poll, where 9 out of 10 Native Americans were not offended by the name. That was just four years ago. And by the way, I'm sick of hearing about the methodology was flawed. It's the Washington Post, not Fox News, not OAN. The Washington Post commissioned this poll. Nine out of ten Native Americans said no. The team name's not offensive. Am I really supposed to believe, Tommy, that the Washington Post used flawed methodology but posted the results anyway? Like, that's a bit listen, of a reach. Listen, I, think, I don't need a poll for this. Nine out of ten people who work for the Washington Post wanted that poll to go the other way. Of course. So if there was flawed methodology, they're going to post those results? That's absurd. I, I and it ba- just happens to be the same outcome as the Annenberg poll of course, 14 years earlier. That they, they were absolutely convinced was outdated. You know, this was yes. written in the Post story that described the results of that poll on May 19th, 2016. I went and got it last night. Quote, For more than a decade, no one has measured what the country's 5.4 million Native Americans think about the controversy. Their responses to the post were unambiguous. Few objected to the name, and some voiced admiration. Closed quote. And here we are in this unbelievable tidal wave the last few days. And I'm telling you, I'm not seeing any mention that this has been a highly complex, debatable topic where actually the data has suggested consistently that those that matter most don't think it's offensive. Okay, Kevin. Kevin. Let me just mention mention this one last thing because you're going to appreciate this because you have grandkids. I thought about this, about how this is being documented right now in written form. 20 years from now, my grandkids are going to read these columns and stories from this past weekend and the ones that will be forthcoming, and they're going to think that Grandpa used to root for a team with a horribly racist name. And they're going to say, he's such a good guy. How could he have done that? (laughs) I mean, it's it's really, this is not accurate. It's not an accurate depiction of what this conversation has been or should have been. But here, I, I thought about this a lot in the past week or so. Uh, for one thing, it's a fight not worth fighting anymore, Kevin. You do, you do realize I, that. I don't, I, have mean, the, it, I, don't, I don't have the passion for it, Tommy. And I'll tell you no, what, seriously, no. some people are really mad at me. I've gotten some of the ugliest tweets since our podcast on Friday 
of I thought you'd be the guy that would continue to fight the fight. I can only tell you how I really feel. I'm not as passionate about this shit anymore. And it's all because now, of the owner and the team and the performance yeah. and everything else. And fatigue, and, and, as you and, mentioned. And there's a, there's a weariness. Yeah, there's yes. a weariness that comes with all this. The other thing is, is I think this is the basic problem. Uh, and this could be very simplistic and stupid, but I've, I've been both before. You have a team whose name includes the word skin, the color of someone's skin. Just that notion that the color of someone's skin would be the name of a team, I just think just drives people nuts. Because, it, it, I mean, you know, because the color of your skin is not supposed to matter. And, and it, just, it just reminds people. I think that's what I, it is. I, I, I think I it's understand just a basic that. thing. I think it's just a basic, well, you know, it's the color. You're, it's a team based on the color of somebody's skin when, you know, the color of your skin should not matter at all. I understand that, but it's not it's not for woke liberals to, you know, to answer on Native American sensibilities. It's for them to answer. Yeah, but, but and they have but they could but they can be offended by a name that has nothing to do with them but just is is it mentions the color of somebody's skin. I get it. I understand how they can be offended. It's not me per se. Again, I don't care what the team is made is called. And I agree with a lot of what you say about the the, uh, the actual true data of uh, how Native Americans feel. But I'm trying to get, I mean, because, look, there's a lot of smart people who I respect who think this name is the worst thing in the world. Okay? So what's the core? What, what, is, what are they getting at? What, what is really bothering them? And I just think it's the color, the color of someone's skin being a team name. You know, there are people that I like and respect a lot, too, that have been very adamant. I agree with you. Um, but I don't think it's that. I, by the way, I know people that think it's that. But I think for the most part, it is this thought that because it is a dictionary-defined slur, that just automatically means that this this group, this culture is just incredibly offended by the name um, and that they, they're there to protect that and they're there to help it out um, and help them out and speak on their behalf, which, as you know, I, I kind of feel in many ways over the years, especially with you know all of these high schools, Native American high schools having the name and saying don't change it and the polling and, and all that, I think that there's a little bit of arrogance in that. But that's my own view. I do think, just taking it a step further, that the owner has been such a dunce when it's come to talking about this issue. You know, a lot of the polling and a lot of the, the high schools, which has been a major disconnect, even with, with people, Tommy, who, who say what you just said, which is it's still describing a skin color. We're not supposed to care about skin color. I think one of the real big 
um, disconnects for those that feel strongly for whatever reason that this is so offensive is that, you know, you've had these Native American high schools saying, no, we're proud of this name and they're our favorite team. And don't tell us what we should be offended by. You know, you've you've had that over the years, which automatically means that it's not equivalent to the N word. But I'm, uh, we've, we've gone down that path before. But Snyder's always been able to, with all of that out there, sort of keep the wolves at bay. But he, he kept feeding them. You know, with one arrogant, you know, impulsive thought and quote after another, he's never been good at at letting sleeping dogs lie. It's always about winning something other than a football game on Sundays. When he told the USA Today in 2013, we'll never change the name. It's that simple. Never. You can use caps as in capital letters. You talk about being something uh, that was so antagonistic unnecessarily. Like, it just it was stupid. But the all-timer was uh, two, th- three years ago um, when, the, when the Supreme Court ruled that the members of that Asian-American rock band, the Slants, had the right to call themselves by a disparaging name. That was a huge win for the Redskins on their trademark rights. It was a precedent. It ended completely the effort by some Native American, uh, Native American groups and others to strip the Redskins of their trademarks. That fight was over. The Redskins had won it. And instead of lying low and winning with some humility and grace, the Skins put out a press release saying that they were, quote, quote, thrilled with the result by the Supreme Court. Translation, they were thrilled that the Supreme Court ruled that they were allowed to call themselves by a disparaging name. (laughs) I mean, how stupid can they be? You know... I, I just think that they've they, they the bottom line is he's there's been so much contempt for him, you know he's never done anything to gain the benefit of the doubt you know ability, uh, because every single time this has come up instead of acting like he's been there or Tommy using those momentum moment, moments to further the conversation to skillfully articulate things like. Hey, maybe it's time, you know, with all of this information for a second non-pejorative definition in the dictionary. You know, he could have reached out in those moments had he been a skilled, thoughtful, you know, communicator um, and and carved out maybe a different path. I'm not going to say that it would have made a big difference, but being antagonistic wasn't the way. You know, especially in light of how he was damaging the football uh, operation with such poor management, you know, a day at a time. I, the, we talked about this on Friday. The brand's so diminished, the fan base is so eroded that you can actually now make the case that a total restart makes sense today more than it ever has. You know, I, I know, and you understand this because we've had this conversation so many times. Those that have thought over the years that changing the name would be a good business move, you know, years ago, were always dead wrong. They, they know nothing about marketing, branding, the association between strong brand and franchise valuation. But now, that strong brand isn't so strong. You know, the customer base has shrunk, attendance TV numbers decreasing at alarming rates in recent years. We've seen it. The brand's been tarnished by the performance, by the record, by the shenanigans. You know, the name's been a distant, down-the-list reason as to why many have stopped showing up or watching on TV. Um, but anyway, uh, now let me the, add, the real problem's let me him. Get real, go ahead. Yeah, let's get personal here for a minute. If he sells the team, does he have to leave town? No. Come on. Why not? 
what what would be the point of being here? Well, he's from here. This is his hometown. I know, but, I know, but what would be the point? What would be the point of staying? I, I, that's a he'd be, pr- that's... He'd, he'd be so embarrassed. He'd be so ashamed, and if he's capable of shame, he'd be. He would. He's the owner who destroyed the most valued sports franchise in the history of, of the, the, the nation's capital, and then had was forced to sell it. Uh, there's not many more embarrassing ownership endings than that. What if he stood up and said, I've been the problem. I apologize for everything that's happened. It was never my intention. I grew up rooting for this team and loving this team. I was a young person when I purchased the team. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I tried many different ways, including, you know, stepping back, um, and nothing's worked. Um, I am heartbroken that the franchise has become what it's become, and I'm going to sell my stake in this franchise in hopes that a new owner can take it back to where it was, and I'll continue to be a fan of the team. What if he handled it that way? Just when I think the wiring in your brain finally gotten straight... You do something like that. You say something like that. Like, what if? You know? That would be the way to handle it, though, wouldn't it? Of course it would. (laughs) If he knew that, he wouldn't be in the situation in the first place. That's true. That's true. Self-awareness. God, you know, you don't have much, but self-awareness for mo- <laughs> for most people, it's such an important characteristic. It's so important. Um yeah, I you know, overall like this thing's gotten carried away. I just hate Tommy that it's described in a way that makes, you know, those of us that have made it a part of our lives emotionally you know th- that were described as having hateful hearts. You know that's just that's just not true. And if people if people on that that side and, and some of those people, like you said, I know some of these people that feel that way, and some of these people don't take it to that degree. But God, some of what I've read and heard this weekend, it's like they're they're they, like I was thinking about just the history and the nostalgia, you know, for our team. It's allowed, people. You know, it's allowed. You can't take away the memories. I can't right now, Tommy, for the life of me, see myself feeling guilty about talking about the Redskins winning Super Bowl 17 on Rigo's fourth and one run. I'm just not, I, I just can't see myself offending people with my personal nostalgia. You know, I'm convinced some people will be offended. I know that. But I don't think you fans out there like me have to feel guilty about being nostalgic about the team's past. Some are going to try to make you out to be, you know, like uh, like uh, an SS officer waxing poetic about Kristallnacht. You know, they're going to make you. They're going to make it into you cheering for Dexter Manley knocking out Danny White's the equivalent of voting for George Wallace. You know, in 1968 and 72. Sorry, that's that's just not true. Your passion for the history of this franchise is going to be exaggerated. It is. It's going to be described in some exaggerated terms. Get ready for it. But I'm not going to accept that. I don't think I'll, I'll need to. Well, look, I'll never think of you that way, buddy. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world thinks of you. 
You know, I was thinking uh, the ramifications of the name, the little ramifications, all the little ramifications. The Redskins fight song. You got to have to come up with a new song. <laughs> okay. Hail to the Redskins. I mean, that's that's such a part of being at the stadium. I even even when they be getting beat thirty five to nothing and they score a touchdown, people would stand up and sing it. They'd sit there and sing it. Hail to the Redskins. No more of that. What? How many? I tell you what. How many people will stand up and sing "Hail to the Redskins," even if they do change their name? Oh, oh, Tommy. People are going to have the people that go. To, this could be an immediate boost to attendance with people, you know, coming back to the stadium with Redskins gear all over their all over their person. Uh, but you know, I really, actually, I say that, and at the same time. I think that there's just so much either checked out or apathy that someone won't be able to get enough energy together to go out. First of all, we're not going to have anybody in the stadium in 2020, more likely than not. Um, I I, I know what I wanted to ask you. You know, you have contended over for, for a period of time now that name change or not, D.C. doesn't want to deal with Dan Snyder on a new stadium at the RFK site. You know, a lot of people think that the news that came out last week, the Liz Clark story, no no name change means no chance. Now that there's going to be a name change, you still believe that, you know, especially with Jack Evans gone, that there's still not going to be a lot of support for for a a Redskins return to the RFK site. There's There's no D.C. Council support for a stadium for the team, no matter what their name. The name was 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 an easy crutch for them uh, to to muscle to to you know flex their muscles, but there's no taste uh, to entertain a stadium by this particular council at this point. Uh, the mayor, has, I think, has pretty much abandoned it. Uh, I mean, I've been told by people who know this administration well that it's dead in the water, uh, no matter what the name is. Now, if the, if the team gets sold. And everyone has this scenario where Jeff Bezos winds up owning the team. Look, anything is possible if you're Jeff Bezos, right? Yeah. Anything is possible. Well, Jeff then. Bezos I mean, wouldn't even need the city's support for it. You know, he wouldn't need money for infrastructure. He, he'd right. be able to so, do. Yeah, he'd be able to yeah. do it the Stan Kroenke so, way. So yeah, I mean, given who beco- who would become the owner, that could change. That's a big difference. And the name, but you still have, and it's important. Uh, that neighborhood is is vehemently against any stadium uh, on the RFK site. They want it to be a recreation site, uh, which part of it is already turned into at, at this point. And like I've told you this before, and you know this, that neighborhood is now full oh, yeah. of. People who work on Capitol Hill, people who work on K Street. Million dollar homes. Lawyers who know how to fight. They know they know how to fight these kind of fights. Right. So so it would no matter who owns the team, they're gonna have a fight with that neighborhood around RFK. And again, uh, like I've said before, what no matter where a stadium is, DC, Virginia, Maryland, no one is paying Dan Snyder to build a stadium. He would have to pay for it 
out of his own pocket, the best he can hope for is that government pays for the infrastructure, or as they say, the stuff under the stadium. Right. You know, the roads, the ramps, things like that. Any stadium deal that's been discussed, as far as the government entity is concerned, that's as far as they go. So Snyder would have to pay for it out of his own pocket no matter what. Interesting. I, I think that I, but Tommy, that's something that not a lot of people you know know other than the people that have listened to you or read you that you know I, I read a lot of this you know over the weekend or I got a lot of this from various friends. He needs to hold out. He needs to hold out for RFK, City paying for a lot, a Super Bowl no. within three years, you know, after the stadium's built. You know, he's got to hold out for a lot of the, uh-uh. That's not, that's not the, um, the environment with him. Um, no one wants to help him with anything. <laughs> Nobody does. If he doesn't change the name, they're going to lose corporate sponsors. It's gonna, he's going to feel it like he's never felt it before. It's not like he's got all this leverage right now. He could have have had leverage a couple of years ago. He could have. A football stadium is not a baseball stadium. There's not events there. There's not a game 81 times a year. Right. The, 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 The benefits, the financial benefits to a community of a football stadium uh, are a lot less than they are for an arena where there's basketball and hockey sure. every every night and a baseball stadium. So the financial benefit to you know to boost a neighborhood like that is not there for a, a, a football stadium uh, at, at, at this point. So that that that's a big problem as well. And there was another point, but. God Almighty, I forgot it. Well, you know, I, I've said this before about the stadiums of the future, that they're not going to look like Jerry World. They're going to look like half of Jerry World. That, you know, um, we, you know and, and by the way, things like pandemics and, and the, the, the health crisis that we've gone through will make this even more probable. That you may not need the same amount of space. You may not need the same infrastructure. You know, a 50,000-seat smaller stadium um, may be, you know, the future in sports, in, in, in large stadium sports. I, I don't know. I, I did want to say about the team name that I do think, uh, and I told you on Friday, that Warriors was his preference. But, you know, there's pushback against anything having to do with Native American imagery, although they could certainly turn that into to a military um, nod. One of the things that I think Snyder and that original American foundation that they created when they went out to over a hundred reservations, I think he does feel, or those in the organization, including former players that were out there, feel this responsibility to um, these Native American reservations that they visited to keep, you know, uh, that culture highlighted. You know, they they didn't get pushback. I mean, the polling was very similar to what they saw when they went out to 100 reservations. Is that, you know, worse, the worst reaction they got was indifference. And the indifference usually stemmed from this name thing is just not a big deal to me. Here are, the, here are our big issues, you know. But Kevin, uh, Kevin. Yes. They did such a, they did such, I'm, I'm very suspect of all that. Because they did such a terrible job of telling the world what they were doing. I know. I, I agree mean, with I you. Mean, they, were, they were terrible. I agree. Ass. I mean, they didn't need to invite players 
They needed to invite reporters. That's <laughs> who they needed to invite. Yeah. You know? Good po- that's I mean, a, that's a good it. point. They, I, I didn't even think about it from that standpoint. terrible job of, of, of getting that message out. I mean, it just, it just fell with a thud. You know, if they had this great opportunity, they should have made the most of it. But, again, there's a level of arrogance thinking, well, we don't have to. Yeah. We don't care no, what they think. No, that's true. That's such a good point because every person that went on those things, and, you know, we were still owned at the time, the radio station was. So I talked to many, several people who went on a lot of those trips. Cooley went on a bunch of those trips. And it was every single time, it was like the name is just not an issue. Now, and I was like, well, what was the reaction? The reaction was like more times than not, it was like they were so excited to meet some of their football heroes that were out there. And that, you know, worst case, it was just sort of indifference. They're, they're dialed in on all the problems that they have. And um, But you're, that's a real – look, like everything, right, from – uh, they they take something that maybe has a huge opportunity and they they don't get the most out of it. They don't leverage it yeah. the way it should yeah. be leveraged. Yeah. But the, you know, one last thing, I, I, the thing popped into my head about the the stadium. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. you no, you go ahead. Okay. And I said again, I'm repeating myself from Friday's podcast. Uh, but this this is really the biggest one of all. Jack Ken Cook had three Super Bowls. Yeah. Three of them. Right. He couldn't get the stadium built in the district for 10 years. He couldn't get the stadium built in Virginia. Look where he wound up. That was Cook. Yeah. No, that's yeah, – people forget that, and you're so right. I mean, we, th- that should have been the biggest no-brainer for the city of all time. Oh. The most popular team in in the history of the city, a winner, one of the most popular teams in all of sport, representing the District of Columbia in a super positive way, and he couldn't get it done with any and, of, and, of the and, mayors that he dealt with, most, yeah, most notably Sharon Pratt-Kelly. Pratt Kelly. I mean, that's the one they always pointed to. They always blame it on her. But the, the talk started with Marion Barry, yeah. and they went nowhere with Barry either. Right. Back to the name here for, for a second. So it certainly seems like this is on some sort of fast track. And remember the team statement from last week said they're going to involve, you know, they're going to reach out to alumni. I'm paraphrasing at this point because I don't I, I, I uh, forget what it was, but it was like they're going to reach out to alumni. They're going to reach out to, you know, the league. They're going to reach out to the community. They're going to get all this feedback, you know, in this big review. And meantime, Rivera says on Saturday, you know, they've got it down to two names, you know. So, so this thing is obviously being fast-tracked, which, by the way, is never a good idea um, when something needs to be vetted, uh, seriously vetted. Because if you, if you pick the wrong name and have to go change it again in a year, I mean, that would be so Redskins. But You don't want to pick New Coke. I mean, to be honest with you, I think that they need to just completely. I mean, I would love for them to be able to continue to to nod, you know, uh, give a nod to to Native Americans, um, and at the same time, maybe simultaneously a nod to the military with a name like Warriors. I like the you know the alliteration of it. I, I, but I'm not. By the way, I'm really not hung up on this name thing now. Not not at all in terms of with the new one or the logo. I'll leave that to other people who really get wrapped up into that stuff. 
Um, but I, um, God, man, they uh, don't you think that they should steer clear of anything that could be deemed to be controversial at any point? You have to understand, you know, right now the climate, maybe what the climate will be for several years to come. Hell, Washington may be, uh, you know, eliminated from all of this um, when when all is said and done. I, the red tails, I heard a lot about the red tails. In fact, learned a little bit more about it yesterday. Um, in particular about it, you know, representing and, and, and um, uh, the, the Tuskegee Airmen who fought in World War II, that that would be a, a great name. I'd still bet on Warriors. I think it's what Snyder believes is his responsibility to back a promise that he's made to Native Americans who have appreciated the name Redskins. They don't want to be forgotten, and Snyder believes that Warriors ensures that they won't be. Um, I think that's still the leader in the clubhouse, but man, you know, you, th- these things, when teams do this, Tommy, it takes, it takes a year to two years to pull this off the right yeah. way. Yeah. And if you do pull do it the right way, you can make a lot of money off of it. If it's done the right way, it could be financially very lucrative. It could be, yes. And right now, and there's again, there's no better time for it because they've lost much of their customer base. So this this would be a chance to gain either customers back or create a whole new customer base from scratch. In fact, I was thinking about this over the weekend. In many ways, they should be now targeting a, a much younger demo, a demo that um, – uh, an age group that that has never ever embraced the Redskins, despite living here, um, because of their performance on the field. I mean, my, my kids are not huge Redskin fans. You know, they're NFL fans, they're football fans, and they they know it's been important to me. So it's always been fun for them to hang out and watch games with me, and they get into it. But they're not diehards. Um, you know, uh, appealing to a younger demo with a whole new name, logo, color scheme. I bet you somebody's made the case to Snyder that that's the direction he should go in. That, you know, honoring the past with the same colors, with burgundy and gold, isn't necessarily crucial. It's about attracting a whole new audience that's never rooted for the for this football team before. Um, wouldn't surprise me if that's been pitched. I don't think he'll do that. I think he'll stick with burgundy and gold. Um, I think you know they'll try to uh, they'll, they'll try to come up with a name like Warriors that continues to um, honor Native Americans, which is what they have been doing um, for years in in their mind's eye. Um, but you know these things get researched, they get vetted, and we're we're on a fast track right now, aren't we? Yeah, yes, we are. Uh, I think it would be best just to be out of the Native American icon business. I think I you, think, I think you might be right about that. Yeah, I just just get out of the business. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, a football team. Uh, look, the reality is George Marshall named them the Redskins because he had named them the Braves in Boston in their first year because they played in the same football stadium, baseball stadium, as the Boston Braves. They moved the next year to Fenway Park, where the Red Sox played, in order to keep the, 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 the Braves motif, he changed it to Redskins. That, that's how this all started. 
Right. Um, so, and since, I mean, and they, they may have evolved into this, you know, what they thought was some kind of noble gesture, but just get out of the business. Get out of it. You know, it's funny that you just brought that up. I, I I think I agree with you. I think that they probably should just get out of this so that they don't have to deal with this again. I mean, you're going to have to come up with something that can't be perceived down the road as controversial, and that could take some time. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it seems like almost any name um, you could probably t- uh, trace back to something that could be controversial. But you, you just said something that reminded me of something I talked about this morning with a, a call uh, that came in. And that is, you know, just sort of the bullshit of this has always been about honoring Native Americans and that, you know, Redskin fans have always been so proud to be able to honor Native Americans. And I, the names for forever, just I'm sorry when we've, we, when we've used the name, it's been to talk about, you know, what are they going to do with the 15th pick in the draft? You know, what should they have done on fourth and one? Like, uh, are they fa- uh, the Cowboy game's coming up. It's huge. I mean, uh, we got to get out of this 3-4 defense. Like, th- that's what that's why I just I mean, that's the commonsensical application. We've taught you Redskins has, has it's been a football team in Washington. The play uh, a Redskins been a player that's played for the football team in Washington. I, I don't think. Uh, I mean, do, don't get me wrong. Maybe some of you have, but I, I don't think. And I, I'm not being, I'm not being tone deaf or selfish or anything else. I just haven't spent a lot of time thinking about Native Americans when I've talked about the Redskins or used the name Redskins. You know, and I'm glad that they perceive it to be a proud, honorable thing. And I think it's probably been right for the franchise to sort of position it that way. But let's be honest. I mean, when you're when you're singing "Hail to the Redskins" in the stadium after a touchdown, you're cheering. You know, you're cheering Terry McLaurin, who just caught a 75-yard touchdown pass for the professional football team that you're rooting for. You're not sitting there in the moment thinking about the great Native American cultures, no. you know? No. no, get out of the business. Get, yeah, get th- in the football business. That's... Not the icon business. Quick word about Roman. Uh, if you were to guess on average how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you've got questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com. That's GetRoman.com and use my promo code Sheehan for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com, promo code Sheehan, S-H-E-E-H-A-N, for a free online visit and free 
two-day shipping. Oh, Tommy, I can't believe I forgot to tell you this. Uh, negative for COVID-19. Oh, good. All of us. That's all of us were negative. Great. That's, that's great. So next that's up, that's I'm going to go get the antibody test to see if I've had it. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. a good idea. Yeah. I'm going to be having the test next month before we go to the beach. Right. Make, and leave myself enough time to make sure I get the results before we go to the beach. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, do you know that Maryland, like, is among the states where the infection rate is is increasing at, like, the lowest rates, if not the lowest rate, one of the lowest rates in the country? It's funny because states around it uh, have had um, significant, you know, increases in infection rates, but Maryland's been doing pretty well. You know, ho- so far, I mean, we got a long road to the end here, but so far Hogan looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I mean, if if you're comparing him to the president, uh, yeah. there's a guy walking by my window now <laughs> who looks pretty good. Right. Um, in, in handling in this thing. Before before we sign off, yes. I just want to make sure that we wish a happy birthday to one of our good friends. Yes. And that's Joe Jacoby. Uh, Jake. Talk about when, when things were, were, when it was a great time to be a fan of this team. It's when Joe Jacoby was, was leading the way, number 66. Happy birthday, Joe. Happy birthday, Jake. Um, God, he's always been one of my favorite people in this business. I know you feel the same way about him. So many people feel the same way about Jake. He's truly one of the nicest people ever with the nicest family. Um, I had him on last week to talk about Bugle on the radio show, and he got so emotional. And, you know, Jake gets really emotional, but that was his guy, man. You know, Bugle's the guy that found Jacoby. You know, Bugle's the guy that worked him out uh, at Louisville. Bugle's the guy that saw the potential um, in Jacoby. Um, 61, by the way, is his age. 61 years old uh, is... uh, Joe Jacoby. Yeah, happy birthday to him. Um, yes. One other quick thing. D- did you see the Asante Samuel thing from over the weekend? Yes, I did. Yes, so I did. So let, let me just share this with everybody. Asante Samuel, you know, an 11-year corner, Patriots, Eagles, good player. On July 4th, he tweeted out the following. With all due respect, can someone explain to me why Daryl Green is considered a great question mark? He played 19 years and was mostly a nickelback. 54 interceptions in 19 years. Talk to me. Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. You know what was... Unbelievable. You know what was really interesting to me? We're sitting here talking about the erosion of the fan base. And, you know, and, and, and it's true. You know, and all the key indicators reflect that. But you go after one of the all-time greats, Daryl Green, Joe Jacoby, Art Monk, Doug Williams, you know, Ricky, uh, I was going to say Ricky Sanders, um, Rigo, Theismann, Sonny. You're now dealing with people that all of a sudden wake up a little bit. They're like, what's he he talking? Did you see how many responses and retweets? We, we, We wrote a story about it in the Washington Times about the reaction. We literally wrote a story about it. Yeah, I Matt mean, Paris. 
and, and, and some of the reactions from people in the league and people, you know, fans of just football, but a lot of that reaction is Redskin fan reaction or, or certainly people who used to be. Like, you can, I'm not going to watch, you know, the, the last year Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder continue to F up the franchise, but don't come at Daryl Green. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what he, what he tweeted was, was, in, was inaccurate. With all, with, all, with all due respect, can someone explain to me? The do was D-O. Okay, I tweeted back at him with all due respect, D-U-E, <laughs> how's that University of Central Florida education Oh, did you really? Yes, I did. <laughs> he, I, he, didn't, he didn't even use the right word. Oh, God. Brian Mitchell tweeted back immediately, if you don't know, then you're a damn fool. And then Asante Samuel went back at Brian Mitchell saying, nah, pimp, not a fool at all. You might need to ask yourself, are you a fool fool? I don't listen to the people. I find out for myself, fool. Let me just give Asante a little bit of of advice. Don't mess with B-Mitch. That's the last person you'd ever want to mess with. Um, Tony Dungy weighed in. He retweeted it. He wrote, Asante, while you played some great football in the 2000s, you obviously don't know much about football that was played in the 80s and 90s. Daryl Green played on the outside, not as a nickel, which, by the way, was the first thing I was like, nickelback, what's he talking about? Maybe the last year with Champ Bailey and Deion Sanders. Um, he traveled with the best receiver and was a, in all capital letters from Tony Dungy, top echelon cornerback for almost two decades. Um, he was universally ripped um, by former players, by fans, um, media members across the board uh, uh, for, for that tweet. But I think, the, I think the most fascinating part of it was just that um, it was – the reaction to it. By the way, he played twenty years too, not nineteen. Uh, yeah, and, and by it, the way, you you know you've reached a level of respect where you don't have to defend yourself. Mm-hmm. Thousands of people will do it for you. Isn't that so true? Like you know who didn't <laughs> respond? Daryl Green didn't respond. Yes. You know, thousands <laughs> of people will do it for yeah. you. Yeah. Let others, you know, this has been my gripe with the organization. Let others talk about how great you are after you've actually done something great. If you do, they will talk about you. Um, uh, what Asante also doesn't know that it, is that if Daryl Green had been given the regular job of punt returner, he would have been the one of, if not the greatest punt returners in the history of the game. He was so I mean, lethal as a punt yeah. returner when he got the opportunity. Whenever Daryl Green dropped back in a big game in a big spot where Gibbs said, all right, Daryl, go back there, every single one of us were on the edge of our seats thinking, there's about a 50-50 chance he's going to score. And he and he and he did a lot, and some and there were several that were called back, but the most famous was the punt return at Soldier Field, in the with um, the broken rib, with, with the cracked rib, it, with the cracked rib on the on the cutback uh, in five degree weather in Walter Payton's final game as the Redskins were on their way to another Super Bowl victory. That was the divisional round game against the Bears, and. Uh, it was classic. You know, a lot of people think that that was like a late fourth quarter. That was actually a third, late third quarter punt return. Gave them the lead that they didn't give up on. Um, but it was one of the famous plays, certainly, in franchise history. Um, 
All right. Well, I one last thing. Yes. Uh, Washington Nationals shut down their training today. What, so what is They're that? not the only team. So what does that uh, mean? The Astros shut down theirs as well. They're not getting test results quick enough. <sighs> this thing's falling apart. Uh, David Price has opted out. Mike Trout is considering opting out. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a baseball season. I, I, I know baseball teams and how they run, and, and I'm not criticizing the Nationals. It's with any sports organization. We've seen the Redskins and how screwed up they can be when it comes to their medical. There, there are mistakes on a regular basis that are made within a sports team. Daily, when you don't have the burden of the coronavirus to deal with, having to put all the protocol that they put in place, they'll never, never be able to pull it off. There will be just screw-ups every day that players will say, oh, my God, I'm putting myself at risk. It's too hard. I, I mean, every day that goes by, it's like it just doesn't seem. Um, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. It really uh, doesn't. So right now, the Nationals uh, called off their workout today because they don't have their test results. Was Sean Do- was thing. Sean Doolittle leading the the, the shutdown because he's really been outspoken. And by the way, I I, I saw. I saw some of his tweets over the weekend. He's clearly feeling some pressure on Twitter from people saying, hey, dude, you know, man up a little bit. And he said, you know, I, I, I talk a bit too much. I'll, I'll concede that point. There was a little bit of self-deprecation. But he's like, you know, the, the, I, I, I'm, I want what's best for everybody. I want a healthy situation. So, Yeah. Um, well, uh I don't know. The NBA, I guess, is going to go first. Uh, hockey decided on Toronto and Edmonton. Um, August 1st looks like the start date there. I think these these hub cities you'd think have a better chance, but I, I don't. like we said, all it's going to take is one person on a ventilator seriously ill, and it's going to be the Rudy Gobert moment uh, uh, to, to, that'll shut everything down. Uh, Freddie Freeman is sick. He the is. first baseman for, for the Braves, he's just not positive. He's got some symptoms. <sighs> okay. Well. Um, Nick Marquez has just opted out of the 2020 season. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, it's everybody I talk to in my world of circle of, of friends all they want to know is, are we going to have a football season or not? Because there really is something special about the rhythm of the football season, and that'll make you're going to have a fo- you're going to have a football season with a new owner and a new team. What a what a great time to be a fan! All right, I almost go- said Redskins fan, I know you but did. I, that, that's not right. Um, all right, well, no law. Lo- I mean. By the way, one quick thing. People will continue to refer to them as the Redskins, but a lot of people, if not that, will refer to them as the Skins. Because that's a, that's been a common way to refer to them anyway. You know? Yes. So going to yes, the Skins game. Um, all right. Uh, thank you for doing this today. Thanks to all of you. Uh, the plan was to be off this week, so we're back to that plan, but obviously as – as events warrant, <laughs> uh, we could be back in here doing another podcast uh, this week. All right, Tommy, thanks. Appreciate it.
Okay, boss. Take care. All right, everybody stay well, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you whenever we talk to you next.